I'm going to talk about general fears that may come with speaking and the process of questioning one's sentiment when speaking, because that's something that I experience a lot. And what I've developed in that is this, I don't know if I'd use the word fear as I just did, but maybe apprehension to saying anything, whether it be in my podcast like this, or writing it with the means of publishing it, or tweeting it, or especially saying it to a friend, or a coworker or a family member. Because there are many, many different levels to this. Um, all those different levels have their own set of things that you're okay to say in certain situations, and things that you're willing to divulge about yourself, or sides of your personality that you're willing to give. Like on this podcast, um, I try to be very genuine. I try to be very honest, but I'm not going to speak to a microphone the same way I'm going to speak to my best friend that I've known my whole life. It's not possible to. And I think the dissonance that comes and the fear that comes uh, is out of that. The fear, if the fear comes from me thinking that I have the ability to differentiate the way that I speak all the time, when in some ways I do, I have entire abilities to choose the words I say, to pick the cadence of my voice, to make remarks or jokes that are darker or more harsh in some situations than I would in others. But I feel like there's something that I can't change about the way that I speak in general. And that's the thing that I want to get down to because I think it's very, very important that you try to know that part of yourself the best you can. And that's the voice that I have alone because the voice that I have alone is what guides all those other voices, all the other personas that I, that I take form of when talking to everyone. And, and another issue is that when I'm saying things like this, that you talk differently to other people, it can sometimes have a negative connotation as if you're being false or you're being insincere when you speak that way. But I think it's just a natural means of respect to others and it's a natural understanding of it's an under it's a it's a reading of who you're with and i think it should be appreciated as such but uh yeah my fear when it comes to speaking in general even in my own voice which is very interesting because i think i'm out of tune with my voice 100% in this case is that even when i write in my journal when i know that i'm the only person that may ever read this I still have this other voice in the back of my head that's saying, that's been said before, you're not going to gain anything from writing that down. You're not going to gain anything from talking about very, very simple things. And a part of that pushes me to ask myself better questions, and it pushes me to come up with answers that I didn't before. But a part of it's also dangerous, and I think because I'm very obsessed with the idea of firsts, and I'm trying to just detach myself from that and realize that who cares if someone was the first to say something or if someone was the first to, I don't know. I mean, discovery is important, but the first to to put something down on a piece of paper, like outside of invention, physical invention, even even so, like if you can come up with an idea on your own and it came from your mind alone, then it's still special and it's still important. 
And it's just this weird thing of like those thoughts being very easily written off by others because they're like, oh, I've seen that a thousand times before. Like I was going through my old Twitter from 2013 and I would say things like, um, don't spend your time on someone who, or don't waste your efforts on someone who won't put effort into you. And it's like, yeah, of course, asshole, like who's not heard that before, who doesn't have that in their mind. But then again, some people still need to hear that. And obviously 13 year old me was still trying to figure those things out. And at that moment, it was very important. And at that moment, it wasn't pretentious to me. And though I look back on it now and I'm like, I would never even say something like that because it's just so apparent. Like, I don't know, there's still value in it, I guess. And I think that's just what I'm trying to understand is that no matter what you say, there's value in it if it's also held with sincerity and honesty. And on the topic of sincerity and honesty, my guest today is Nick Sadler, the guitarist and uh, heavy producer of the band Daughters. And they just came out with an album called You Won't Get What You Want. And it's a very challenging, uh, beautiful listen for me personally, because I don't always listen to that um, type of music. And so I, I had to sit with it and I had to listen to it several times. But um, yeah, it's it's heavy. It's very heavy and very poetic and unique. And I liked it a lot. Now, all of that is up to debate in the episode today because we discuss a lot about what art is and, yeah, you'll see. But uh, Nick was a really lovely guy and I'm I'm really happy that I got to talk to him. This is one of my favorite conversations I've ever had with a person. And, again, I'm just so thankful that I can have these moments with people who I don't know at all and then feel that I do know them in just an hour or so. And I hope that you get something from it. And I hope that you listen to the the record and it gets you in some way. Thank you so much if you listen, and I hope you have a good weekend and a good transfer into December. And if you're into that, that the holidays take you. Here's my conversation with Nick Sadler. I've still never been. I like this place in general, but I feel like you can tell that elements of it were built around the harsh winters they have here. (laughs) Yeah, like what? uh, I don't know. It just, even visually, uh, it looks like it makes more sense in the snow. I've been here in the (laughs) summertime, and it's just hot and humid and very unpleasant. (laughs) And, uh, you know, this this is, I don't know, then again, kind of feel this way about just about any place that has snow in it so i could just be under the spell of snow (laughs) so you you prefer the snow yes it's definitely beautiful oh yeah yeah once you have to drive in it and stuff it's a little i'm all right you know i don't mind i don't mind driving in the snow man people are afraid and i get it because it's dangerous but i find it to be very relaxing (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't I don't like if my wheels start to do things that I'm not in control of, but like when it comes to listening to music and especially like driving on the highway with snow coming down, it's really it's really beautiful. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. But then there's ice and it's like yikes. <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Winter came a little early. <laughs> I'll say that, but but it's not bad it seems like it. up here in Michigan. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I can't see a lot uh, geographically or whatever. I cannot uh, picture in my head right now who's mo- most uh, north, Chicago or or, or uh, I'm like Michigan. I'm like probably. Are you are you more towards the north or south of Chicago right now? I think I'm probably like two, maybe three hours from you right now. I would say because I'm oh, okay. I'm towards the bottom of Michigan, so it'd be it'd be a little hike, oh, okay. but it's not too far at all. So the the climate's definitely uh, the same right now where we are. You ever you ever drive out here to Cali? Oh, you just said you haven't been to Chicago. No, I haven't. I I really uh, want to, and I have some friends going to school there that I want to go visit, but I've just it's weird because everyone I know has been to Chicago, but I've been to New York twice, so it's like I just haven't. Oh, okay. I just haven't hit Chicago yet. Yeah, you know what, man? Like New York and Chicago, obviously both uh, pretty large cities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, that's an understatement. But like you know, Chicago and New York have like entirely different vibes. Yeah, how but, so? Like, Chicago is still well, not just packed with people. I mean, it's like really densely populated and. It looks awful. Everything smells awful. It's like <laughs> deeply. Everything is deeply inconvenient. You know, everything's you know tragically overpriced. You know, you can't get like the worst world's worst cup of coffee there for less, fucking less than like seven bucks. Yeah. You know, it's just like that whole place is just terrible. You know, and the quality of people that tend to populate that place on uh, on a whole is just like I don't even know how to describe. It. It's just like these varieties of humans that are all about, uh, I don't know, getting somewhere. It's like, where the fuck? And Chicago, you know, and I'm sure that all that stuff exists here, too, and I'm just not seeing it. But this place <laughs> still has a bit of, like, a small... Uh, it's not quite as populated, so there's a lot of, like, mom-and-pop vibe here. Yeah. You know, uh, as far as I can tell. And it's it's still a busy, big city, but right. all kinds of interesting stuff here. If you, have, if you have dietary restrictions, like some of us do, mm-hmm. it's, like, all these amazing places to eat. Um... <laughs> I don't know, Chicago just has a whole different vibe. It's just less, I don't know, corporate? Is that a word for uh, New York? New York is just That like sounds right. New York was so place. weird for me because I'm from like a small town where everyone knows each other. And then I go to this place yeah. that has millions of people on one street and like no one <laughs> pays any mind to one another. Even though you're like basically hugging everyone you see. And especially the people who like live there. Not even, like, the touristy parts, but the parts where people are just, like, that's what they do. They just walk past one another. They don't make any eye contact. I've been, like, studying that in the different places I go, like, how eye contact works. Because some people, it's, like, normal to just, like, look at someone and smile. Some places, like New York, like, you don't even, you don't even recognize that that person's next to you. Which is so, so bizarre. It's so weird. Yeah, you know, that, that, that could be a good way of describing the difference between... Chicago, New York, as I see it. I mean, I was out walking around and made eye contact with several people casually, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not the same. I, my guess is, like, if you're in New York as a tourist or you're there to just visit or something like that, the place is so harrowing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And um, 
and busy that it's just like you know especially from a from a small town like I am as well um you know you bring that small small, small town mentality with you when you get there no. you know even if you're not aware of it it's just like you know I lived in New York for a couple of years mm-hmm. and when I would go back to Rhode Island to see my mother I'm like where are the fucking people <laughs> you know, it's like it seemed like a ghost town it was nuts yeah, um, everyone's just yeah. so selfish. I, I don't I don't know if it's selfish in like a totally negative way, but like everyone always has everything to do all the time in New York. Like it doesn't seem for there to be time to stop to do anything <laughs> at all. Yeah, no, I understand what you mean, man. There's a certain selfish works. I feel like there's also a certain undercurrent of uh, self-importance and, and like uh, maybe even vanity uh, permeating the, uh, that's like the subtext of the place. Yeah, and I think that's, like, I've I've been trying to compare that mentality to, like, just the U.S. compared to, like, other places in the world, and it's it's becoming much more apparent to me the stark contrast in, like, Americans' need, and I I feel this in my life, like, just the need to constantly be doing something, or else you don't consider yourself productive, or, like, like, you always have to have a list of things to do every day, or else you're not happy. Like, I feel like that's very prevalent, and it's... It's really strange to see because it's totally okay to not do a specific thing yeah. all day, every day. And I've just been kind yeah, of paying I, more I, attention I, to that. Yeah, this is like the, the culture of uh, being an individual is totally poisonous. It's such yeah. a bad idea that we're all out here thinking we're all individuals and that we're all going <laughs> to accomplish our dreams. It literally doesn't make any sense. Can't. You know, <laughs> everyone's out here trying to divide the pie infinitely. It just there's not enough. And I know what you mean. Uh, there are people in my life because I'm, you know, I'm in music mm-hmm. um, that you interact with, and it's an odd mix of like folks who are very supportive of you as a creative person, and even some of those people who are supportive are also like can be simultaneously judgmental because it's music, and the music that I make, especially mostly the music I make, it does not get a huge ticket price so like i'm constantly <laughs> yeah right like interacting with folks who have a bunch of money in music and who are so like psyched about my music and then at the same time are like weirdly judgmental that i don't have any money and that i'm a poor person <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's a fucking bizarre dynamic but i agree man you know accomplishment is obviously a construct and it's like uh-huh. you know to what end can you actually accomplish anything you know and, and for me i have no real connection to money so like that's good you know i'm not even really out there thinking about money ever you know like the only times i ever think about money is when i can't afford my meager meager lifestyle like, you know, this is ridiculous <laughs> right. because all i do is work i don't <laughs> even really have anything yeah. i don't know <laughs> so I've... that's you know but like in, out, in terms of like getting out there trying to make a buck it's not really a part of my like makeup right. yeah it's so weird that like then this is true for like film too that an industry that you would think naively is supposed to be about the art is like really just comes down to whatever gets you the most money and it's i i can't like understand like i'm so glad that like you make music like you do because obviously you're you're making that shit because you love it you know and i just don't understand the willingness to sacrifice like what you absolutely want to just get a couple more bucks i don't know like even if it means you make a shit ton of money it's just it's a really strange thing for me to see i don't know yeah i I can i can i can agree i understand like you know even some of the coolest people i've met out there who work in music um who are all about trying to 
maintain the art of it or mm-hmm. support creativity and things like that, they still have to worry about how everything they're doing is a business, you know, and it's all very fragile. And so at the end of the day, they still have to make decisions based on, you know, finances and like, um, you know, uh, you know, what's going to keep the thing alive in general. Yeah. And that's like part of the broader um, conversation with our culture because, you know, I mean, even if you look at, you can make like an artful movie, mm-hmm. but like it still has to bring in the money. <laughs> yeah. You know, like people, people don't want to like support a movie that they know is like amazing piece <laughs> of art. Right. But uh, like three people are going to get it and it's not going to make any money. <laughs> You know, like, remember that movie Mother came out? Did you see that one? Holy shit, dude. I love Mother. I've seen that movie, like, 20 times. Yeah, that's a, that's a really incredible movie. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you could say, um, you know, you could choose, like, one facet of that movie and go, you know, this is great. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the only movie I've ever even heard of that's remotely like <laughs> this. That alone right. should get you points, you know? But so many people I talk to that have seen the movie are like, that movie's terrible. Yeah. You know, like, I'm just, I'm just like... You know, the culture is so poisoned at this point. Like, where people look for their art um, these days. I mean, you know, Mother's maybe not the best case for really looking around for people who are making, like, serious art. But that one's, like, really upfront, right in your face. It's very accessible. Um, you know, and, and still it's just, like, you know, it's not ringing bells with folks. It's very odd and I know, sometimes like, disheartening. Most of, the reviews, <laughs> most of the reviews I saw, like, just didn't really get it. Like, I hate to be the douche that's like, you don't like that because you don't understand it. But, like, a lot of the reviews were, they were just like, it was just hogwash. It didn't make any sense. It was random. And it's like, but, I don't know. And, like, I showed, you know, I showed my girlfriend and she, like, she had to dip. Like, she couldn't, she couldn't hang with it because of, like, the atmosphere. I was, I was like, if you're, like, if you're prone to anxiety, this is not going to be the best (laughs) film experience for you because <laughs> yeah. it literally just like attacks you within the last part of it and there's nothing you can do and like it's so overwhelming like when i first started i just cried because i just like i had sensory overload i was like what the hell is going on it's incredibly cool man it's i mean it's just like you know let's say there was like no let's say it was rambling and there was no cohesive plot for folks to latch on to i mean just just the idea that it can grab a person and uh, by their anxieties and just run away with it um, <laughs> is an accomplishment alone. And like, maybe I'm just saying that because that's kind of how people used to describe daughters in mm-hmm. our earlier days. We'd be like, um, I had a, a long time friend at the Hell Song C release show, which is like mostly bands I chose. The really fun, interesting bands in, in our city mm-hmm. um, at a time where there was a lot of, there was a, a bigger crowd there for what things like daughters and those bands were doing and like <clears throat> these bands come out get the crowd worked up into a frenzy and then my friend said we walked out and immediately the vibe was just like miserable and anxious <laughs> <laughs> and like had just completely like instantaneously shifted the way the whole room felt <laughs> and um you know we were talking about it and realized there's like a power uh there's there's something to that you know what i mean that's a yeah. that's a facet uh, like a valuable facet on, in its own, and I feel like uh, something like Mother is valuable. I mean, but the other thing about things like Mother is one, people can't under people can't take a slow boil anymore. No. You know what I mean? Like if you have to sit quietly for more than like fucking thirty seconds, people are about to lose their minds. <laughs> you know, 
and, and like right now, especially, I feel like there's so many things to shut your mind off in yeah. 2018. Um, so many things to shorten your attention span at this point that, you know, anything that's even remotely slow, people like that movie, Hereditary, was pretty great. Hell yeah, but I was just going to mention that, actually. You know, and like a lot of people were like, it's too slow. And I'm like, that's part of what makes it so good. You know, like, <clears throat> we don't need to have everything just constantly jump scaring you and like, you know, all the scenes are short, all the editing is fast, you know, um, and we don't need any more remakes. And we don't need any Jesus, more superhero movies. God damn it. <laughs> fucking superhero movies are killing me. They're just... I'm, I'm, I'm taking a class right now in school about the American film industry and basically how it started. And it's just... Jesus. It, it is disheartening if you want to go into film. I'll tell you that. Like, they don't... <laughs> Art, art is so low on the list of priorities for shit to be made. Like, there's so many directors that just walk away from superhero movies because, like, they're trying to change the directors a little bit, but Marvel's still going to be like, well, you have to make it this way. And they're like, okay, fuck that. I'm out. Like, I don't, <laughs> I'm not going to make the same movie over and over and over again. Like, the next Avengers is supposed to be like four hours long or something stupid. I don't, I don't know the last time I watched a Marvel movie. I don't have the capacity for it. You know, and then I have to wonder, like, when people are young or whenever it is in their lives that they decide they want to become a filmmaker, it's probably, I mean, I've never met one. I mean, you know, maybe maybe that's maybe that's it. That's a self-fulfilling thing. But, like, I've never met a person who wanted to get into film uh, because they saw fucking, you know, uh, Spider-Man. But, so it's like, <laughs> you know, like, when you go to, like, film like, school and shit, people want to fucking... People are inspired by like the the more artful, yeah, and beautiful things about filmmaking generally. And then they get but, kicked on their ass. <laughs> that doesn't mean these like folks who who see like Spider Man uh, uh, and become. I mean, they obviously are out there. Are those movies wouldn't be made? But mm-hmm. um, you know, I've never, people always want to like you know they're like they saw a David Lynch movie, so they go to art school and try to make some movies. You know, stuff like right. that is generally. Uh, the folks that I've met anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm in school for film actually. So nice. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm nice. I'm double majoring in some other stuff, but I am going for film. I just don't know what to like this class has just flipped my head. Like I don't even know what to do. <laughs> Cuz it's like where am I going to fit into this? And I don't know, I feel like you just got to hustle and eventually pray that someone thinks they can make money off of you and it's not going to be good as time goes on. It's only going to get mean, worse. That's... But. That's definitely the deal, man. I, I know, like, several filmmakers at this point, um, people who are doing, like, pretty well, and uh, they're reasonably young folks. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I have a couple, well, I have three offers to do um, music for movies next year that range in the, a budget of between $1 and $2 million. Damn, yeah, I wanted to ask you about film scoring, because your music in films would be, like, kick-ass. Well, I think, finally, you know, maybe, you know I've been doing this stuff... I've been doing a little bit of scoring and, um, you know, putting together libraries that can be licensed, you know, and synced mm-hmm. for uh, web content and things like that for several years. And it's been a slow build, but I think the Daughters record kind of put, put me in a better place because more folks are psyched about it now. Yeah. But, you know, these, 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 these people out there are hustling. I mean, they make tons of little movies. They're working on all kinds of different projects 100% of the time. Yeah. They know everything about filmmaking, you know. And then they find me, you know, write something or get involved with a production company that can start them off with these, like, $1 to $2 million budgets, which sounds like, 
to me, it's amazing. I'm like, wow, two million dollar budget. That's insane. But like, we all obviously two million dollars is nothing right. <laughs> compared uh, to like thinking, Marvel. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, and you know, when they approach me saying, "Hey, man, it'd be really cool. Maybe we could work together. We could do some music for my movie." Generally, I, I say yes uh, to most things uh, if it's not like super silly or something. Because you know, uh, to the point you were saying earlier with hustling. Sometimes folks will get like green lighted for these like two million dollar budgets, and then it'll just be like, whoosh. yep. You know that like the production company changes their mind and like, never mind. Turn you around. Just never know if it's yep. really gonna happen. You know, for but sure. it's an uphill battle. And you know, part of the thing for me is like, it's it's parallel to music in that I always say like, it's gonna be a lot better for for you as a creative person um, if you're there for the love of it first. You know, because yeah, for sure. Then then you can you can accept that like starving artist vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I'm always surprised when I meet musicians who are like they're that they don't have any money and you know and they're making like very challenging music and stuff and I'm like, well, do, you know, that's the fuck do you expect? You know, like that whole <laughs> you know starving artist vibe is like totally it's a stereotype for a reason. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, uh, making things is not really an existential priority. There's like a whole bunch of other shit before that. <laughs> Just like as an example. There's a reason why doctors make more money. I mean, even yeah. though it's, it seems evident that fucking the medical field is uh, becoming almost total bullshit in our country, at least. Yeah. Um, you know, that's definitely more of a priority than, you know, uh, making a song called Pants Meet Shit <laughs> wanting people. <laughs> so, like, you know, then hoping you can make some money. Yeah. <laughs> it's just clearly not, not the same. No. Um, but, yeah. No, this this see this is what I want. I don't I don't like I never want to have just like an interview. Like we haven't even discussed the album yet. <laughs> like yeah. That's what I mean. Like I, and I'm totally fine with that. I don't I don't like to hold it down to needing to have something answered or like talking about anything in particular. I like the more flow flowy type shit. I actually want to go back well, I mean, to yeah. um when we were talking about like things need to be slow. That's just funny because probably the past like four interviews I've done, that's come up. Like the fact that we just can't hold still. And I actually interviewed, I don't know if you saw, but I interviewed the composer for Hereditary, which is funny that you brought it up because he talked about that like at length about how slow that movie is. Yeah. And it was a really interesting insight, especially into film scoring because like he, he was talking about needing to make like the music sit with like it going slow and i and i definitely i just i totally see that unraveling just the idea of like um i watched 2001 a space odyssey i went to the theaters and i saw it and i i haven't seen it in years and as someone right now it was so weird because like if that movie was released now like people would walk out within the first 10 minutes because it's the slowest like build ever and the same with songs like songs are like two to two and a half minutes long now like on the radio and shit and it's like what where's the where's the rest i don't (laughs) i don't know know. and then you know know, the other thing about the the shorter songs behind the radio and i I don't actually necessarily have too much of a problem with this there's something to it Mm -hmm. obviously but um a lot of songs you hear on the radio are they have a bedding of one thing on a loop that sort of a lot of times doesn't change. Yeah. 
And then the changes you hear in the music happen on top of that bedding. You know what I mean? So like, you're at, a lot of listeners, like the casual listeners, is not are not even confronted with any major changes. Yeah. Within a small piece of music that they're listening to on the radio, <clears throat> you know. So there's even less to think about. And like, they're and like, <clears throat> a lot of the times what seems to be popular. Uh, is music that pushes an aesthetic rather than music that pushes music. Mm. Um, you know, and, like, obviously the whole culture is going that way. I mean, like, uh, aesthetic is the content now. and It's, like, uh, awful. <laughs> 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 like, like all, we, all we have now is form. It's very odd. Uh, you know, like, you can see examples casually just about anywhere. I mean, like, you know, your, your average pointlessly uh, well-known like Instagram celebrity comes mm-hmm. to mind, you know, or like people who like, like casual SoundCloud rappers who just like, there's nothing, there's nothing there. There's no fucking content or like, you know, uh, Instagram photography comes to mind particularly because it's like a big deal. And uh, actually all, all forms of Instagram related art like that are, are kind of weird because it's a bizarre mix of like people who are making interesting art and then people who are very popular there for making competent visual art stuff with no content mm. really but um to the average viewer which is what instagram is bringing uh to these artists like they'll see someone who could do a photorealistic drawing of somebody and then like a random person who has no uh no no uh deep understanding of art you know <laughs> it's a very shallow surface understanding of art will be like this is the most insane thing i've ever seen i can't believe you can actually do this right and meanwhile like these photographs or these drawings or whatever there's really nothing there they're not they're not constructed very well they don't say anything they don't cause you to think and so on and so forth and so you only really have form and aesthetic and it's you know these these are not even new concepts but these are all things that people in in music and art and whatever else generally see as that in, in those areas except that now they're being pushed um, they're, they're really easily accessible to your average audience yeah so those are the things that are becoming those are the things that are at the top of the heap now i don't know i'm like kind of on a ramble but no um, i'm i'm absorbing you know, I think, it i think you understand it's like an age of aesthetic this is one of the reasons why i hate people like kanye west it's like marketing scheme it's like is art and uh he's not an artist obviously and like it's just a big old stupid marketing scheme and everyone's huh. buying into it. See, I'm a big Kanye fan. So this is interesting. I'm excited to hear your perspective. So, oh. hmm. The, the Kanye argument. Yeah, no, I get into this from time to time. Because I'm fine with that. I, I love hearing opposing sides of it. So you, you say he's not an artist. That's what you think? I think he is kind of the epitome of a dude who has the internet and has like the re- more resources than anybody to create yeah and, like you know what was the one what's that record he did that had the song new slaves on it jesus yeah like all right so that came out and i was like all right man i see i, I can get down with this like topically this is this is all very interesting yeah and confrontational musically it's darker and it's harsher and then it slowly dawned upon me this motherfucker just has the internet and he's got a whole bunch of people <laughs> on his team who, who fucking are on the internet too and they're just looking at uh, what do they call it uh, 
culture vampires or, or whatever. They're just looking at the ebbs and flows of the of the subcultures, you know, and trying to get ahead of it and make their own version of it, you know. And yeah. Because they have a career and this, and they're they're a business. This is what I mean. Like he can't really make true art because he has to worry about the business and branding of Kanye West. Because when you think about it, this dude has so many resources. Like, you know, any company that makes a music or instrument would be glad to just give this guy right. their whole, everything they've ever fucking made. <laughs> and then he could just, he has the resources to never go to work ever and just lock himself up for like a year, two years, ten years, and, and really make art. Like, really get in there and, 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 and fail and then come back and da 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 and just keep going and going and going. And then he could come out. Uh, with some like truly astounding shit and uh that's just not the case the dude still has to make hits you know or else he's got nothing Mm. it's just like it's not the same you know and like other people who are famous do this too i mean anytime you see some like wacky celebrity in a bunch of goofy stupid looking clothes generally their marketing scheme is artists you know like lady gaga you know that woman has never made art it's just like, whoa, whoa! Have you, what about what about her record with Tony Bennett? What do you say about that? Uh, uh, <laughs> Tony, come well, on! I, like I mean, Tony Bennett's sick. But like, I'm just saying, like, think about that. Like, do you think Lady Gaga's marketing to Lady Gaga fans when she decided to make an album with Tony Bennett that was classical and jazzy? You know what I mean? Like, it's examples like that. I don't know if that's art, though. I mean, like, no, that's cool. It's not. No, it sounds <laughs> cool. I mean, but it sounds like a bunch of privileged people with a bunch of time on their hands they can do whatever the fuck they want hmm. i don't know if that necessarily means it's art you know like what i yeah. see when i see lady gaga as a person who has the resources to purchase a bunch of art and, and wear it and then show up and be like Wah! you know but like, <laughs> I've, I've never heard like a particularly artful piece of music i mean she can sing and she's talented all that stuff is true and i, I think the same for kanye west he's clearly a talented dude uh it's not like he's garbage like he's where he is because he worked hard and he hustled and there's mm-hmm. some talent there but I, I don't know if these things necessarily mean art you know what is i do want to unpack that and not argue but but discuss it but like what if you if you can't answer this i totally understand but like what is art to you like what constitutes someone making something and you can be like that's art or do you think it's subjective that's that's a good question and that's that's clearly where this conversation was going to <laughs> yeah well, you know, I mean, obviously it's a multifaceted answer. I mean, like yeah, of course. I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure that it is answerable, or I'm not the dude to do it. For me, <laughs> it's more intuitive. Um, you know, maybe that's maybe that's really the idea. This is not like an objective concept. Yeah, of art. course. You know, and this is why folks like Kanye West can be successful on the platform of artists because it's completely subjective, mm-hmm. and it's like a circular logic. Like the second someone's going Kanye West is not art, someone can go, well, what is art? And then it never exactly. That's what's happening right here. <laughs> yeah, and then the dude just like can continue on, and you know, I don't know. I, you know, you know, my my griping is personal. You know, yeah. it's, it's not. It's totally my, even my gripes is subjective there. But I would say that uh, it should be probably intuitive for everybody. You know, like when I see Kanye West or Lady Gaga or whoever else, uh, and they're like, "I am Picasso today." I'm like, "Yeah." You know, <laughs> intuitively, this is just, uh, seems incorrect to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. um, but no, I mean, that's, you know, and that's, that's the end of that whole conversation. It's just a circular thing, you know, like, if you want to call something art, then 
you can call something art, and it's clearly like one of the problems. Yeah. With it, and in fact, I would even say the fact that the culture is so permeated with the concept of art that maybe it's every, all all concepts of being an artist and making art on some level have been completely avoided. Yeah, the lines but, just blurred. <laughs> um, it's weird. Some, sometimes I feel like to call yourself an artist is sort of like a weird faux pas. Yeah. Because yeah. like literally everyone is an artist. Like when when I play a festival <laughs> with my band, it'll say like artists lounge. You know, and like <laughs> that's where the backstage is, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm I don't personally consider myself an artist at all. Um, but really, I, you know, I'm looking around at the people around me, and I don't know if anybody else around me is, is particularly artful either. You know, I don't I don't know that just because you can make something that it should be called art. See, now that's, that's a very interesting point because I feel like majority of people completely disagree with that. And if you can just make anything, whether it's <laughs> like whatever it is, that's art. You know what I mean? So that's a really that's interesting point. Like, that's what I mean about this whole Instagram thing. Like, you know, if you're a photorealistic um, visual artist, that's very impressive. I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm not impressed. It's cool. Mm-hmm. That's, that's totally interesting and it's a talent. But um you know, I don't know if that necessarily makes you an artist or, or that art. <clears throat> you know, I, for me, I, I'm looking for content. You know, something huh. that, you know, uh, causes you to think for a second, might stop you in your tracks, may, makes you feel something. Um, you know, and I guess for other people, like, say, say you didn't know a lot about art. You know, you might actually be moved by some basic photorealistic shit. Because yeah. you're not as initiated as someone who spends all their time checking out art mm-hmm. you know and that's that's just as valid too so you know maybe my gripes are just bullshit you know maybe i just <laughs> don't like kanye west and there's no reason for it at all i haven't you know, even gotten to that yet maybe i just see an asshole and i'm like all right man this guy's an asshole <laughs> so but, like the new daughter's album i could be talking myself out of this whole thing <laughs> the new daughter's album that i'm mentioning for the first time 30 minutes in um like that caused me to pause and think and wonder and you made it. So it's art. Yet you don't consider yourself an artist. What do you like how does that construct work? Like how are you not an artist when you make something like that? Um, I mean, you know, uh, I've been getting uh I've been confronted with this concept uh more since the album came out and we're like traveling and people have questions about it and stuff and especially now that there's been all this very unexpected hype around the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, has been interesting uh, because I can't really divorce myself from the idea that when I was making this, it was just like in my underwear, in my <laughs> little apartment, in my living room, like with GarageBand. Right. You know what I mean? So like when there's hype, I just think about how I was getting annoyed at my cat who wouldn't leave me alone while <laughs> track ideas. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mean, like, meanwhile, people are like, this is, this is like an important piece of art. <laughs> you know, this is important music. 2018 um you know this is an insane record and it's like it took so long to make and it was so like like i said it was, it was so what's the word i'm looking for i want i want to oversimplify and say small but like you know as, as i said i'm just like in my house in my underwear putting this shit together and i I'm a, maybe that's how everybody works but like yeah, there was no real urgency to make it coming from anywhere and the demos that I sent to various labels and people that I know to try to help us meet someone to put the record out were turned down repeatedly. Right. And, you know, stuff like that is really what comes to mind. So, 
Okay, so I'm I'm picturing. I'm picturing like an analogy where, say like say a painter is making a mural, in like this big yeah. building, and no one sees it while they're making it, and like this painter comes and paints like a stroke a day. And it takes them like ten years to make this mural, and at the end of the day, the painter like sees it as just like all those annoying ass tedious, like paint strokes that were just done out of just that moment needing it to be done whereas the only thing that the people who go into the building see is the completed mural and they're like shit that's amazing whereas the artist can't like totally see it as that even though it is like a like a labor of you know whatever you want to call it like even though they did put the time in and the work in and the passion like does that sound like a sort of accurate description yeah I, i would say that's definitely accurate for me and it's like um you know sometimes when i think about being someone uh on this not me specifically but being a person on this planet who's creative i feel like going back to the deciding who is an artist and who's not an artist mm-hmm. i feel like is you might know intuitively that you're an artist and that might be exactly what you're going for with your time but it feels to me like it's actually more up to in a way uh like categorically speaking it's almost up to others to sort of see you that way first at least you know like because as you said you know i just see i just see my living room <laughs> you know, and uh, I see the that I had like just limited tools to do this. So like, <laughs> you know, I just remember like, you know, uh, drinking cups of coffee, just dumping <laughs> shit like that, and then the record comes out, and all of a sudden, other people are like, this is important. You know, okay, sure. Um, so I, so I think that is a good analogy. You know, like, you know, and this is probably a common fucking topic, probably a stereotype, even that's gone back for a long time ago making things you know it's like absolutely out of my hands whether or not this is considered a piece of art right you know huh you know i could i could say it all day but like if no one agrees then is it still art i don't know (laughs) damn all right i'm gonna i'm gonna throw in my quick kanye argument because i've been thinking about it so (laughs) so i i Definitely as the days go by, I find it extremely valid that his work is more and more permeated by just an excess of resources and also his undeniable, like, grotesque, ego, egotistic personality. <laughs> and, like, yeah. he's so... It worries me that he's become so concerned... He's become more so concerned with the image, like you were saying than the music and i i feel like that shift was with because he just put out five albums this summer i don't know if you listen to them at all but they were no, i mean I, I pretty much i can't do it man i can't do it <laughs> <laughs> um I, I don't know yeah well anyways oh, sorry go ahead um so they were the shit i loved them except for the nas album i wasn't really feeling that but like I've I've had a talk with someone else who was saying that like he's still struggling to be relevant and still tr- struggling to make hits and I just can't hear that in the music and I don't know oh. if it's like it, it's so hard for me to like because to me I have my opinion of Kanye I have the way I feel about his music I have this notion that all people have with celebrities that are obsessed with celebrities or whatever that like feel like they know them in whatever shitty vague distant way they do from just seeing pictures of them so I have that. Yeah. And then I'm still trying to step back and look at it from like the standpoint you're at or like like a non-biased standpoint where it's like, is he making like real shit? And I still hear like passion in what he's saying. And I don't 
I don't know. The things he says are too... I think they're too deep-rooted in passion to be completely false. I think a lot of it he just talks out of his ass. And someone made a good point to me saying that he doesn't always want to be the person to make the change, but the person to come up with the idea for the change in the first place, to have it tied to their name. And he's always like comparing himself to Steve Jobs, and that's very true of the same personality of just like telling people what to do or like coming up with these ideas and then not necessarily putting the foot forward. But he's still like, like he does fashion, he does music, he donates a lot of money to like Chicago politicians, and he's like working on like low income housing in certain places in the world. And like, so I, I don't feel like it's completely passionless. And that's, that's, I think the issue is like, when I look at him as an artist, like I consider all of those things, like when I listen to him or when I think about it, I like, I don't just hear the music. I can't just do that. Like I think about, try to think about like the mindset he was in and things like that. And now I'm particularly intrigued because he's supposed to come out with an album on shit. I don't know, like a month ago. And then the day came and went and he didn't say a word about it. And I thought that was super shitty because like, like he, he didn't tell any, like he didn't post on Twitter or anything like that. Like the album's not coming out. And that was weird to me because that made me think about the construct of like fans to artists and his is so like almost volatile because it's a marketing scheme. It is. Yeah. I mean, this, this dude's all about trying to, uh, find new ways to generate hype, you know, like, yeah. Uh, I mean, when you think about it, like you, you can be creative in your marketing. Um, I learned that through meeting all these different bands over the years. I met some, some folks who, who do things creative with, with their band that are so behind the scenes that like mm-hmm. audiences probably mostly won't, don't even see it. But that's, you know, I mean, it's not amazing, but right. like, it is kind of a funny idea that this gigantic celebrity who's already released uh, a whole bunch of records says, hey, I'm going to do a record here, and then just doesn't do it and then never addresses it. It's like, right. uh, it's kind of a hilarious marketing thing. It could be spun that way, or uh, who the fuck knows? I mean, that guy's on a whole other planet at this point. But like, yeah, no, I mean, you know, you raise some good points, and, and two things come to mind about that is like, maybe um, contrary to what I was saying earlier, mm-hmm. Kanye is doing his best to be a creative, artistic individual, and audiences are interpreting that as his inability to make hits. You know, yeah. where it's possible that he's not really trying to make hits at this point. You know, and, no. and it could be just it could be just perceived by people who, who see him as one of the biggest, if not the biggest um, musician on the planet. You know, they can only interpret it's like when we talk about uh, Mother and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't see that it's art. They just no, no, see no. that this is not this gigantic hit movie like they're used to. So that comes to mind. And then the other thing is, um, you know, if Kanye West comes up with ideas or he's supporting ideas of others, younger people you know, whatever the case may be, that's not new at all. Like, you know, right, uh, right. Pr- pretty much every huge star, uh, many huge stars, I would say, not every, but um, has always supported or um, sort of kept one foot in a pool yeah. of newer, younger ideas. I mean, Dave sure. is a pretty good example. Um, even one of my favorites, Bjork, is mm-hmm. always pulling in other artists with different ideas yeah. uh, beneath the branding of Bjork. You know, like, uh, 
many, many folks do this. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's what I see Kanye doing. I'm like, you can't do this shit in a vacuum. <laughs> People forget that like community and um, time and place are such huge aspects of how this stuff turns out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not talked about enough, but like none of this stuff happens in a vacuum. Like people, for instance, wonder how the hell did Goddard's come to be or like this new album, where the hell did this come from? It's like, you know, right. I just still go to shows. You know, <laughs> I still explore music. Yeah. I'm still checking out all kinds of stuff. I'm trying to be supportive of um, newer bands or younger bands or younger people who have interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. And naturally that stuff comes to color what a person makes. You know what I mean? It's like, if Daughters were a bigger band, I might be really divorced <laughs> from uh, some of the things that helped inform you won't get what you want. You know what I mean? And I feel right. like the same goes for, for anybody. You know what I mean? So like somebody like Kanye, he needs a team. His team is probably rotating or like yeah. um, has newer, younger people involved all the time. That's why he can do a video where he puts on a gigantic suit with somebody <laughs> who's like 20 years younger than him. It's like he has to do that. You know right, I mean? like, right. There's no way for him to be where he is now if he's not aligned with mm-hmm. what like 16 year olds think is cool yeah you know <laughs> there's no way you know and so but no I, I mean you raise a good point you raise a good point i think like uh you know he could be doing his best out there and it just doesn't resonate with me for yeah. whatever reason you know he, he might actually be a really great artist you know i don't mm-hmm. know it just doesn't stick with me at all hmm. that's pretty much this conversation has made me realize it's like, eh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just totally wrong. This dude's an artist. I just don't like it. I mean, you it's know? it's subjective, and he is an asshole, and he is hard to totally get behind if you listen to some of the shit he says. But I don't know. I think it's totally subjective, and I'm glad that we can calmly talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So your you know. uh, your your album, uh, you're in a band called Daughters, right? Um, you guys just came out with a record. <laughs> We could talk about that. I don't know. I feel like asking any, like, shallow interview questions at this point is just silly. <laughs> um, no, it's okay. I'm, like, I'm like kind of, like, mildly embarrassed that we're talking about all this other stuff. <laughs> Not because I don't want to talk about it, but because I, I, get, I get casual. I get into these types of conversations casually all the time. They're the most important ones, though. That's that's the stuff that matters. No, they're, they're super fun, but, like, you know, I find myself, like, sort of um, working it out out loud with a person. It's an interesting <laughs> thing to be a part of someone's publication where this gets worked out because I can imagine that if you read the first half of this, you disagree with me, you're like, you're <laughs> an asshole. And then at the end of it... And then you get to the second half, and you're like, and you need to listen to the second half where I'm like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. You know? Like, you know, maybe I just talked to myself out of the first half of this podcast, but you didn't hear that second part, so <laughs> Right. So, I don't even know... First of all, the album's badass, just... I'll say that. Um, I don't know what that even means, but I get a vibe from it. I guess I kind of, more than anything, if we're going to get any weight from any of this, I kind of want to talk about the lyrical composition. Like, how do, I know you guys were all in separate places, so do you all write pieces of it, or, like, how does how does the writing work? It's, um, well, first of all, Lex does all that stuff entirely alone. Okay, okay. Um, the lyrical content is 100% his. Mm-hmm. Um, we do take bits and pieces. Uh, we, t- we do take little peeks at it here and there. and like, But ge- generally, the way it works is, you know, um, you know, I'll make the music or we'll make the music as a band and we send him recordings. You know, so gotcha. there are recordings of Hell Songs, the self-titled 
and you won't get what you want, like literally hundreds of these things going back, <laughs> you know, many years. And he listens to us develop the music um, and then starts to develop concepts and, 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 uh, and lyrics and what have you. We, but he doesn't rehearse. He doesn't demo anything. Huh. And uh, he just shows up to the studio and starts going. <laughs> so, you know, and we try to create the space for him to do that because in an ideal world, we'd have a much closer working relationship. Like, to me, that would be the most ideal thing. I mean, it would be the best way to make the strongest record. You know, mm-hmm. like, I've always wanted to see a set of lyrics or some ideas for lyrics and then create music for that. But we don't really, we don't really work that way. So, huh. Um, where it used to be a point of contention and frustration uh, for me, I've kind of accepted that, you know, it's not ideal uh, the way I want to work, but, you know, it's how we work, and maybe that's part of the value of it. Like, you might be able to hear the tension between what we make and what he does. You know, it's like two different entities um, working on, I mean, it literally is two different entities working on things. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know, it's almost like a mashup, but... um, you know, and then, you know, uh, in terms of do, working on it together, I mean, generally, as I said, we try to create space for him to do what he wants to do. And then as we're in the studio, you know, if something sticks out as being particularly um, uh, undesirable or we think we can do something a little better, we might have a talk about it there yeah, and try okay. alternate takes. Or if someone has an idea, we might start stacking ideas. But that's mostly the production stuff and... You know, lyrically, you know, I don't, to be honest, I don't really know most of the lyrics. <laughs> um, but if something sticks out, you know, might say something. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like a weird, weirdly collaborative thing. Uh, not that we're there crafting it together, but that right, right. I make a thing and then he makes a thing and we stick them together. That's so weird. <laughs> you know, like, like, I always yeah. think about that, like... Because when you see, like, bands perform live sometimes, they're all singing the words, and they're all, like, into it. Or there's, like, backing vocals. And I'm always like, what? like, these deeply personal lyrics, does every person in the band feel them? Like, it's such a weird <laughs> it's such a weird thing for, like, and like the lead singer to say something that's, like, fuck. And then you're like, whoa. Does, does, everyone's I mean, just on board with this? We don't talk this? about it. Right. We don't talk about it very deeply. I mean, I can only assume... You know, or maybe guess at that one of the reasons he does it that way is to keep the lyrics for himself, hmm. you know, as personal things. You know, it might be odd for him to have the lyrics be too collaborative because then they might not feel like his as much as Yeah, then that's where you get, like, anthemic and, like, choruses that are repetitive and, I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, it's, and, you know, it's, it's just a funny thing that you bring it up to because um, when I think about Daughters, it's generally I'm hearing the music without a voice on it. Hmm. Even when we're up there playing, it's like... I, there are vocal cues here and there to, to get through the set, but like I, I, I hear the melodies as the voices, you know? Yeah. And, and that's kind of how I listen to music, most music anyway. But, I, you know, that said, I think he did a good job. He's, he's got some stuff on this record that even made me... Uh, like, it's, it's cool. It's cool because, like, sometimes he'll do some shit and it'll transform the music in such a way that I didn't expect and then I yeah. end up liking music more. You know, it adds like a uh, like an emotional weight, like Ocean Song at the end. Fuck, I love that song. Like what he's doing there adds a lot of weight to the music, emotional weight, and even the chorus of uh, Satan in the weight. You know, that was a tough one. Yeah. To land the vocals, they had all these different ideas for it that we recorded. And Those are my two favorites. <laughs> Those are my two favorites. <laughs> um, but you know, like uh, what he did with Satan in the weight is like sort of sparse, and uh, um, 
whatever in there, but it, it works so well. Like just there's something about the words and the music combined that add this like, almost abstract emotional weight to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not even sure what those words mean, but it <laughs> feels poignant. <laughs> like, you know, so. I think really um, beautiful work is the work that, and this isn't um, like mutually exclusive, but I think some of the most beautiful work, something like that song, Satan in the Way, is where it's just, it's written or saying or sounding just enough to where the listener can bounce their ideas off of it and make it whatever they kind of want it to. And I think it does that extremely well. And I, yeah, I like, it made me think. Those two songs in particular, I was like, damn. Thanks. Yeah, no, that's a good point to make too. Yeah, it's like you don't always want you to be so dialed in that there's no room for interpretation, yeah. you know, like the more, if there's just enough room for interpretation or, you know, projection, um, then the songs are actually more universal than if you go out there and you sing directly about a universal concept. Yeah, yeah. So do you resonate with the lyrics of either one of those songs, whether it be Satan and the Waits talking about the, you know, growing violence of people or Ocean Songs, the crushing <laughs> monotony that it talks about definitely definitely i mean you know um with ocean song i mean that's another reason why it's so odd for me to see that people like this record it's like you know we all we all went away and did stuff in our private lives you know? yeah i uh you know i kept two jobs and uh went to school for a little while but as i was saying you know like i'm st- uh, you know i'm a poor person so like i take the <laughs> public bus we have a particularly shitty public transportation in rhode island yeah. And, uh, you know, and in order to become the general manager of this music rehearsal space that I run, I would take the public bus back and forth. You know, we don't get out until late at night. So a lot of times the buses are leaving me in the middle of the night in the winter. Damn. You know, and it's like I have to keep a zip car account so I can run errands. I, you know, have to keep an Uber or a Lyft thing on my phone. You know, there's like a certain crushing monotony to everything. And I can relate to that because I did music for so long in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And I kind of didn't have to reconcile, I mean, no, that's not entirely true either, I don't know, you know, when you grow up poor, you're, you're basically faced with this monotony, like, you know, that's what's going down, every day, <laughs> life is gonna be, yeah, you know, but, um, so, you know, I've been, I've been working, like, every, like, most of us, I've been dealing with that, um, all my life, with the exception of, in my 20s, touring a lot, it kind of went on the back burner, because, you know, when you when you tour, it's definitely a self-centered notion to be in the band, mm-hmm. and uh, and tour and do all this other shit. And you basically just don't interact with normal society, right? Right. Uh, most of the time, so it's a mix. But no, I, I definitely relate to that because I think once again, he's singing about a universal concept that everyone can see. It might be a new universal concept, yeah, uh, relatively new, and uh, but he, it's, it's it's sung with enough room for interpretation that everyone can apply their own monotony, uh, monotonous daily grinds uh, and frustrations with this setup we have. Yeah, that's heavy. How do you work with the more like religious, like religious content? How do you, how do you feel about, not necessarily the content, but how do you feel religiously in general? You know, I haven't put too much thought into that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I would say I'm secular. I think categorically speaking, okay. that's probably how others would describe me. But, like, you know, I don't really think about that kind of thing. It's not something I necessarily care about to the degree in which I haven't really 
decided uh, in any direction how I feel about it. I mean, I, to me, intuitively, um, you know, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't feel like any of that stuff is real necessarily. Right. But I think, like, I worked in a church for a while, okay, doing sound, and then they had me playing bass in their band. And uh, you know, one of the things I realized doing that was that's like people who have a faith that they're following are not necessarily as the stereotype might dictate, like, you know, um, stupid, yeah. you know, or like followers or something. Like, I was constantly, my people were much smarter than I was, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, um, um, more talented, nicer people, you know, in general, at, at least at this place. And then um, the other thing I saw, though, was that, you know, sometimes these things provide a framework for folks who can't, who can't or haven't uh, been able to build one up for themselves. Um yeah. And it can be a very positive thing. You know, some people really do need this type of guidance. And uh, I don't know, really know if it's my pl- place to have a judgment for them. You know, like yeah. when I was on when I was on their, I was in their band playing bass, it's because I was getting paid. You know, it was my job. <laughs> yeah. And I did my best to just respect that that's their shit and not mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of how I feel about it lyrically. It's like I would not choose to be singing about um, religious themes. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't even cross my mind, you know, because it's not a topic for me. But um, that is clearly something that fascinates Lex, or frustrates him even, and uh, mm-hmm. something you know that's his thing, you know. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but, I've yeah, kind of personally, I don't really feel connected to any particular faith or anything like that, and I, I don't even know if I feel connected to no, you know, to having no faith. You mm-hmm. know, it's just not something I think about. So what what do you what do you think about when you have? the deepest of like what's the what's the deepest layer that you get to or do you Um, just kind of go through go through it and just not really think too much no i mean you know in terms of deriving meaning from life i think uh so far i mean i just turned 36 um it's Mm -hmm. become evident to me although i'm terrified of people it's it's usually um not on a person-to-person basis it's mostly like um as a mob or as a group right. or a collection of people and a collection of ideas. I mean, people are absolutely terrifying in that regard. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I feel like um, probably the most value I could possibly get out of life um, is in my relationships uh, to other people uh, and to animals and uh, I would say, you know, to the earth. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know where else you could see something that evident. You know, whereas, like, a, a faith-based lifestyle um, is is clearly a construct. You know, yeah. not in a negative way, but, like, it's... Yeah, I, I it's, totally understand. It's a, you know what I mean? It's like a guideline. It's yeah, everything, all your growing and all of your decision-making and all of your beliefs are aligned with something else. It's not entirely focusing on what's in front of you, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and you know, ironically, I would say that like uh, a lot of times you can you can see something like maybe in Christianity where it's supposed to be. Yeah. But it's it's drawing more lines in the sand than anything else, and I think <laughs> trying to have empathy and being an open-minded person, um, being someone who can be vulnerable and accept people for who they are, you know, just even on a, a small level, just walking around trying to just be kind or respectful on a very uh, basic level um, is, is still probably to me more valuable than anything I could find 
in, in, in like some sort of like faith-based guidelines. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I just, I think it's other people for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, that's, I it's what's that's here. Value and meaning of life is. And I've been, I've been learning a lot about like the, for lack of a better word, issue with the way humans are just on a whole grand scale and that we are constantly really looking to the future, worrying about death, worrying about God, worrying about living a good life or looking in the past and wondering if those things were too bad to align with our future or regretting things or wishing things were different and that the future would be different because of them, et cetera, et cetera. And we all the while ignore the very exact and constant presence. Like very little people live in like now. It's always what I'm going to do tomorrow or what I did wrong yesterday rather than like this person's in front of me. I'm going to look them in the eyes and I'm going to make a connection with them. And it's going to be exactly that exactly now rather than thinking after the fact, oh, my God, did that conversation go right? Or before you meet with someone, you know, like it's what I get when I like go to have interviews. Like you can't help it. I'm like, how is this going to go? You know what I mean? Whereas if you just do it, if you just live right exactly now, like things... I don't know, it, it, it removes some of the conflict and it removes some of the worry that I feel is all too often present. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, totally. And like, um, you know, it's a bit of a platitude, but for me, you know, uh, I can see why it would be difficult to not be living in the now. And it's not like I do it 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, balance is uh, an important facet that, you know, uh, I, th- I think for maybe many people goes unnoticed it's you know like it would be equally as weird if you only lived in the now and you'd had no yeah that's uh, true concept of planning for the future you had no <laughs> prescience at all or, yeah we're forced to you know you and you didn't have any ability to look back and and sort of assess you know time or, or act, actions you know your life or things that happen to sort of better your now so I, I feel like you got to have a little bit of everything, you know, and that's probably the best way. Like anytime things tip over into any one extreme, as good as it sounds, is generally a bad idea. <laughs> um, you know, like if you were only living in the now, that would be the craziest shit ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you're basically a cool um, Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's an important concept. I think people do need to live in the now. And it's difficult because even just the human brain is like sort of partitioned, you know, like there's the you that's talking and then there's the you that's listening to you talk in your own head, you know, and it almost goes on infinitely. So there's all these different versions of you partitioned off in your mind, you know, one looking back, one trying to live now. There's one that's just looking at Instagram, you know, like there's there's all these different yous in there pulling you in different directions. It's kind of why I can appreciate something like meditation, even if it's, you know, like mindfulness meditation, all about like trying to focus in on the now mm-hmm. and get your brain to sort of align in one direction. I understand the need that some people have for that. You know, it's the same thing with any other, like we were saying with the faith-based, faith-based stuff. It, it could be particularly useful for some people to have a structure like that put there, even if it seems like bullshit to another person. It's just like, you know, you can't judge it because some people might feel like they need it. It could be really helping them. Yeah. You know, but ultimately, you know, I would say, with respect to what you were saying, is just, I think balance mm-hmm. is probably, you know, that's the, that's probably the best thing to, to shoot for, you know, balance and acceptance. Yeah. Like that. I'm learning a lot about Asian philosophy right now and like a lot about Hinduism and Buddhism and 
I've like come to understand what meditation actually is. And it's like, I mean, the point is to do what you said about having all these different voices in your head. And that is to turn like all of those off, except for like the one, like, like a lot of the heavy belief in Indian philosophy is that like the only thing that you truly, truly are is like consciousness, like pure observation. Like the person that you said is watching yourself talk or, or watching yourself on Instagram. Like even, even beyond that, like I'm not the, the clothes I wear. I'm not the name I have. I'm not even the body that I'm in. Like I am only solely the consciousness that is observing all of that. And like, that is so hard to try to understand because you're completely flipping on your head, what you think you are. And if you can like, actually like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do this because my life is so busy and because, you know, just the, the place I'm in and the, the environment I'm around, there's just so many moving parts, but like people who can literally just go sit like on a mountain and just meditate for days. And all you do is just try to understand what you actually are. Like, I feel like once you get that, like you can't not have it. And I, and I've had like, I've had glimpses of it. Like I read this book called freedom from the known by uh, Krishnamurti. And he just talks about all of that, just undoing conflict and undoing love and undoing pain and realizing that like none of that is actually you and that it's just kind of happening and that all you're doing is just watching that. And like, it's, it's an unarguable argument. (laughs) Like you can't, you can't say, well, no, we're actually like the jobs that we do. We're actually like the people that we talk to. You know what I mean? Like, it is the like the baseline, most simplistic answer to like everything that we are only just like the observation of all of that. And it's kind of calming. And I think that like that's what the point of meditation is. And I'm kind of scared to like try to get more into that because I feel like once you do that, you have a real cognitive dissonance and it just kind of alters <laughs> yeah. a lot. Now well, I'm rambling. I mean, it sounds like you know a lot more about it than I do. You know, I'm kind of <laughs> going raw. Uh, but um, I, yeah, I would agree. You know, because we're totally immersed in in a, in a culture that is working against that very concept. Yeah. You know, um, you know that's 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 not at all what's happening out here. You know, the value people have on themselves uh, is all about like their baggage. Um, you know, the things they have or they don't have. Yeah. You know, the the, the dreams they've realized or have not realized. You know, or Perhaps you ended up having a life where you did a lot of manual labor and you didn't think it was going to go that way. You know, that's that's the system, that's the setup we're in. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, you're right. Like, if you can realize the impermanence of things, you know, how this shit is not you, <laughs> it, it, it could absolutely be helpful. You just, you know, and then there's the balance thing, though, because, like, <laughs> you know, you, as you said, you could be afraid once you realize, like, oops, this <laughs> is this thing. Uh, yeah. This is what I feel like is probably really going on except then you still have to interact with yeah you still have to you know, do this, your this temporal you know version as well um you know so balance you know is once again comes back in my mind where it's like you gotta figure out a way to balance it you know <laughs> like maybe you've uh, quote unquote lifted the veil or whatever they, they would say yeah um but uh you know you're still here though um, <laughs> yeah you're still here you know so, or, or, you know, maybe Jim Carrey would say, you are not here. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, there's still some kind of reckoning that happens between what's happening, you know, your, your 
physical existence and then and then the one that is observing you know uh and seems like the evident seems like that would be the the way to go about it damn i don't know yeah. <laughs> i don't uh, I, 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 dot 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 i don't know i don't know dude i don't know you know like uh religion is not my stuff to think about necessarily but like you know going back to your question earlier i definitely tend to find myself thinking more about stuff like this or or like real time um you know uh, relationships with others like for instance i finally picked up that book conflict is not of use yeah by sarah shulman have you heard about that one i've heard of it i haven't read it though it's pretty uh pretty controversial book mm-hmm. you know uh, some people really hate it because they see it as a way for abusers to validate what they're doing mm-hmm. and other people see it as a way to um a, a way to uh acknowledge that uh not everything is abuse mm-hmm. uh, just because it's uncomfortable for you and and sort of like illuminates other like personal psychological you know like for instance like you know, just because you're uncomfortable in a situation does not mean that someone is abusing you. No, um, I'm... You know, those, these are the basic books, but that's more like the shit that I think about. You know, I'm like trying to look at this book um, subjectively and, and just read it and see what's going on and then check out the arguments for and against it and things like that. Yeah, those are I basically like, like my two trains of thoughts. Is I've either, I'm either thinking about existence as a whole or I'm like directly analyzing like how people act right now, especially in our country, because like it's so... It's so weird because we're stuck in this weird place of like 50% like progress progress and like actually trying to fix things. But we're also weighing ourselves down so bad by like whining and saying everything needs to be fixed or everything's a problem. Like you can't fix literally everything. You're, you're just going to come to a standstill. And it's it's so weird. You know, and then the other thing is people seem to forget. Like this is what I mean about like accepting others. Like, you know, there's definitely like a a murky, foggy, sort of radical left vibe, you know, yeah. and I, I almost hate saying that, but because, you know, when people are really hard right, and they say that about people on the left, like, it, it just rubs me the wrong way, mm-hmm. intuitively, but when you really think about it, like, obviously, like, people on the left are not accepting the differences of people who, who disagree with them in any fucking regard, No, and, and that's also wrong. You know, that's also totally wrong. You know, like, yeah. even if you have some great ideas and your whole thing is about positivity, like, you can't just, <laughs> you know, that's that's the that's the whole thing in general. It's like, you can't just change everything in one direction. It's just billions of people on the planet. It's just not possible no. to make everybody happy. You know, you, it's got to be incremental. It probably won't happen overnight, you know, like, and, and my buddy Pat plays in a lot of hardcore bands. Uh, he's also a history teacher. Was telling me that uh, generally, anytime there's like a major change in the way we disseminate information, uh, you know, as as a uh, in, the human, in, in the human history, it creates like a huge amount of uh, uh, sort of violence mm-hmm. and uh, you know contention, things like that. Once information can be disseminated differently uh, or more easily more widely spread things like that it tends to he says it tends to create things like wars um and, and uh all kinds of like upheaval and um in, in his mind yeah. and i would agree this is a, a really you know i don't i don't study history but yeah definitely uh, seems like that's exactly what's happening yeah. you know <laughs> like the internet and facebook and all these places where you can get information out there um like anyone can 
influence the conversation, you know, and clearly it's causing all kinds of fucking upheaval and, uh, you know, fucking human misery. <clears throat> you know, I, you know, one thing I do think about, and actually I should get going soon because I gotta get ready, but, no problem. um, is, uh, you know, this is totally off topic. I'm just going to go on this brief ramble, but like, get it. you ever think about how the human need to design the things around them is, is actually a, a huge fucking problem rather than accepting through the way they are people are constantly trying to change and design and make perfect or make better because we can't sit easier. still we can't sit still what's that we just won't sit again? we won't sit still no matter what yeah like you can't just like chill for a sec and appreciate what's around it's like there's always a design facet and uh it, you know it's not always it's not it doesn't always seem to be the best idea like you know i had a period of depression uh after i left the stand fang out and i was in i remember seeing like <clears throat> power lines mm-hmm. or even the cement in the streets for, for cars you know uh or sidewalks and things were bothering <laughs> like weirdly petty depressed thoughts would come <laughs> into my mind like yo i didn't choose this shit <laughs> people who chose this stuff and put it here aren't even on the planet anymore right it's a really selfish thing and thoughtless thing to do is to pave up this earth and like you know it's without wondering whether or not uh, anyone insane. down the line would want this shit here. You nope, know? <laughs> they just did it. And that's all and, we're going to yeah, do. Then you, you just have that. And now there's but, a, uh, a, a minority of people trying to work against that, which is still a form of like arrogance and changing. Like people that are trying to, you know, make the make the ecosystem better. Like you're still, now we're undoing a lot of shit. <laughs> and it's like, well, <laughs> what the fuck I mean, do we do? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, 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 this is more like circular stuff, man. It's just like, it's never going to end, you know? No, 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 no. This shit is, and like, sometimes I think it comes down to uh, overpopulation. You know, oh, like, hell yeah. You know, you ever, you ever drive behind a car that has those, like, family stickers on it? Be <laughs> like, like a mom and a dad, but there's, like, eight kids. And, like, Why? Dogs, and Why? I always think, like, fuck off. Why do you need like, that many fucking people? Yeah, there's no reason for you to have eight kids. Like, Are those kids all going to be... For you situation <laughs> and then that's a, 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 like that's way too much for literally everybody like all those people need a place to take a shit and shower every day how does that work <laughs> um you know and like how do you how do you provide for these people and show everyone equal love and then you know uh, on a societal level i mean that's all that's a that's a lot you know um yeah you know you know fucking, eight little fuckers come my friend katie sent me a book called learning to die in the anthropocene hmm. you know and one of the points that stuck with me is this, this writer is talking about how just leaving one light bulb on is like fucking the planet up, you know, uh, yeah. in terms of things like global warming. And I'm like, hey, what if you had eight people in your family? You know, it's like eight people in your immediate family. <clears throat> you know, there's a bunch of light bulbs on. And that's just, you know, <laughs> like, um, oh, God. got to charge their phone. You know, like, <laughs> there's just a huge dependency on. Uh, resources and I mean, you drive behind someone that has like fucking eight kids you're like dude what come on man <laughs> it feels so selfish to not adopt in my head like because yeah. there's so yeah, many kids that are just that. sitting they're gonna die of yeah, starvation of being dirty like but then you know then just... again it goes back to that it's more circles for me it's like yep. try to accept people you know right. to be a part of their faith that they need to have a big family Right. Or, you know, I have friends who've known since they were born that they wanted to have big families. You know, they've been waiting all their lives to have a big, 
close family. You know, I don't relate to that because my family's very small, but um, you try to accept it. But then there's also what's practical. You know, so yeah. the whole thing's all a big fucking mess. It's like, you know, <laughs> you might want to have a big family, but you're on a sinking ship. And there's like yeah. 15 seats on the ship and you want to have eight kids. It doesn't make any sense. Right. I just but, think, I don't know. I don't think there's really any right answer to anything. And uh, yeah, we're just chilling, doing what we can, <laughs> I guess. Just chilling. But as long as but, uh, conversations like this are happening, then I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's fun to talk about, you know. Like, it makes you feel better in the moment. Uh, these are stimulating conversations, you know. Like, even if, you know, there's no end yeah. to the conversation, I'm like, I'm like coming up with a grant and then talking myself out of it moments later. It's like, <laughs> 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 you know. That's human. Um, but yeah. So last last soundbite before you go. Yeah. So you did an interview a while ago that I was reading where you talked about you you specifically referenced being nineteen and then like the amount of change that's happened since then musically and you know whatever else and since I'm nineteen I'm curious if you have any sort of advice or words to impart. First of all, I'm surprised to hear that you're 19. You're definitely a much more aware and uh, smarter person than I was when I was 19. Well, thank you for <laughs> I that. that. I can tell you that right out the gate. <laughs> thank I you. Mean, I don't even know. I think at, when I was 19, I literally only went to shows and collected records. I do that, too. Like, I spent a lot of stupid money on, on records. I, and... like, I didn't think about anything. I didn't think about anything <laughs> at all. It was, it was all like I was like in a like some sort of like perpetual like 12 year old zone it's like a life based around collecting baseball cards but um no no advice at all <laughs> I only, I, no it's not true the only thing I would say is just kind of the shit we've been talking about like for me yeah. I would hope that others would want to uh show people common respect and kindness because it's a low stakes game you know and when you're nice to people they'll be nice to you you know even if someone's a, a jerk to you you can still be nice to them and in time, I have realized that some people will eventually come around, you know? You know, like, some people, you don't, you don't know why someone's being a jerk. They might not believe you. They might think you're being crazy. That's the culture we're in. If you're super nice to someone, it actually might be interpreted genuinely as you being a crazy, as you, like, having a good agenda. <laughs> right. Something. So, well. but, um, you know, I, if I had any advice, I, you know, I don't know that I'm the person to give anyone advice, but, you know, something basic like, just try to accept people and be nice to them on a very basic way because it costs you very little to do it. And uh, it reaps, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's more reward in it than it seems. Yeah. Or it might, or it might seem. Benefits, yeah. Just be a, good, just be a nice person. <laughs> All right, man. Well, this was a great talk. I'm so glad we got to chat. I, uh, also my medicine kicked in just enough at the right time. <laughs> That's totally, great. <laughs> at, at first when I was like, holy shit, I forgot about the fucking podcast. I was literally walking through like light snow in Chicago. Hunting for medicine. I just, just found it. Cool, man. Thank you, thank you for calling. And, you know, good luck. Out there.